You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. The fall sports season is almost here, and our Midco Sports team has it covered with live college and high school football and volleyball, plus the return of Varsity Sports Live on Friday nights at 10.30. It's all happening on Midco Sports this fall. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Yes, great to have you with us for another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode one of season four, Bill. My goodness. He's Bill Shaves, North Dakota Athletic Director. I'm Alex Seinert. We are also joined by Caldo Porowski, who we're going to get to in a sec. But Bill, four years. Let's go. How about that? We're seniors, Alex. We're seniors. (laughs) You know, I mean, choppy freshman year, you know, started to find our groove a sophomore year. Junior year, we might have been all conference. I have no idea. But here we are back for our senior year. We we might have been. We'll just we'll keep the ballots hidden somewhere. We won't we won't talk about that. Uh, as I mentioned, we are joined by one of the associate athletic directors at the University of North Dakota, Kyle Doporowski, this morning to talk about a myriad of things. Again, middle of August, we're taping this on a Tuesday morning, August the tenth, twenty twenty one. Fall sports, Bill and Kyle are are really underway. We've got practice going all across campus right now with football and volleyball and women's soccer all underway. That means that games are going to happen pretty soon, and Kyle's going to talk quite a bit about how what this means in terms of getting into the Alara Center and the Betty this year for our fans. Kyle, first off, how are you? How's your summer been? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me on. So I think what the audience really wants to know, if you guys are seniors, are you are you going to take the COVID year next year? Because I think you at least have one more year of eligibility, <laughs> right? So I, I think I, I think we're expecting at least one more year of this. You foolish not to, right, Bill? Yeah, we'll be on Kara Helmig's <laughs> Gantt chart at some point to kind of figure out, you know, who's got what left and uh, all of that rot. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, uh, Alex. Uh, you know, heading into this year, I, we felt it was really important, especially given some of the changes we have in the ticketing uh, uh, world. Uh, I, I felt like Kyle and Heather Reardon have gone on and and have done some uh, some public, uh, oh, I guess, conversations with folks just to make sure that they're uh, understanding what's transpiring. And I figured uh, for this pod group, uh, it'll be good uh, to hear it right from Kyle. Yeah, so let's chat about this. We've got home events really beginning August 14th. Women's soccer plays Jamestown just in a couple of days. Volleyball's at home against Bemidji on the 21st. Football is just around the corner. Again, September 18th against Drake is not that far off. Kyle, what can fans, first of all, expect in terms of COVID restrictions? Or, or just how, how will things look when, when people step onto campus or at the Alara Center or at the REA, for that matter, uh, for a UND event this fall? Yeah, Alex, one of the differences this year is digital ticketing. We've been talking about that for a, a few months here off and on, but now it's really heating up like you're talking about here early August, and we've got some events coming up. So uh, the, the biggest change is the digital ticketing with season tickets. We've had it in a couple other, a couple other avenues in our department. One, students have been using it for a few years, and, and it's gone really well with students. They're really happy. They were uh, really excited that we made that change and were asking us to make that change even before we did. And then last year at the West Regional in Fargo for hockey, we also did digital ticketing. Now those obviously are different than season ticket holders, which we have a few thousand of. So this is a little different now for them. So it's the first time we've done digital ticketing for season ticket holders. And about this time of year, season ticket holders would be receiving their packets with their physical tickets and their champions club membership card and all the stuff that Val and Heather stuff in those envelopes. They'll still get all of those stuff and all those things, including parking passes, except the tickets will not be in there this year. So the, uh, we, we could go a lot of different ways with this, but probably the, the, the A number one, the starting block is if you are a season ticket holder, you do have what's called a My North Dakota account and log into that on your phone. You can use our app, uh, UND Fighting, Hap, uh, Fighting Hawks app in, the, in Google Play or the App Store, and you can access it that way. Or you can just use your browser on your phone, on your mobile phone, uh, to log into your My North Dakota account. And once you log in, there'll be a, a button or a tab called Manage Tickets. And then you can get into that tab and do a lot of different things. Um, so that, that, that's the place to start is your My North Dakota account. Nice. You mentioned this is something the students have been pushing for, and I'm sure other people have as well. You know, I know that folks, especially folks of a certain demographic, 
don't don't love change. Maybe talk about the reason for going to this mobile ticketing versus just having the paper ticket you can hold in your hands. Right. So if if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you probably have a smartphone. But if you do not have a smartphone, you can contact our ticket office in person or on the phone. And of course, Heather and crew will walk you through it and take care of you uh, if you don't have a smartphone. Because if you don't have a smartphone, then you're not going to, you know, you can't have access to a digital ticket. So um, that's really important that if you're listening to this and you don't have a smartphone, just contact the ticket office. Like I said, you can walk up to the window and, and talk with the staff there, or you could call Heather um, and, and she'll take care of you. So uh, a few different reasons, Alex, good question. And, and we talked about, we've been talking about this transition for three years now in our department. And we almost made the change one year early last year, like several other athletic departments did across the country due to COVID and, and the physical touch of the contacts when you scan in tickets and, uh, and those things. And we decided not to do that last year because there, there was enough change last year that there was enough going on last year. We didn't want to throw what one, one other thing into it. So we knew that coming out of the pandemic as we're planning on uh, right now, full attendance at our venues that uh, we're, we're going to go to digital tickets. So uh, at our events, sometimes people will forget their tickets at home. Sometimes they'll grab the wrong tickets and, and that leads to lines at the ticket window. Um, sometimes there's been, you know, not, not a lot, but there's been some cases of fraud with print at home and different things like that. And truly the, the management of these tickets will be the, the biggest factor. So let's say this is one example and we could go a lot of examples, but I'll give you one. Let's say you have, uh, four season tickets and you, you have two different groups of two people. Uh, maybe you and your friend are gonna be arriving 45 minutes before the start of the event, but then the other two in your party aren't gonna be getting there until you know right at game time or a little bit after the event starts. In the past, you would have to meet them in the lobby, right? I mean, that's the only way you could get them their ticket if you can get it ahead of time. Now, literally you can forward it to them uh, through an email and they get it right then and there. So, um, the, it, it'll be a lot easier to manage your tickets and forward uh, to other people as well. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the big positives of this, just that, that ease of transfer that that's, that's gotta be huge. And like you said, now you don't have to worry so much about leaving them on your kitchen counter before you get out the door, you know, to go to the arena. Uh, they're, they're right there on your phone with you, hopefully at all times. For sure. I think Heather and her staff will be incredibly accommodating to make sure that um, if anyone's having some issues uh, you know, she will uh, walk uh, whomever through and, you know, and just make sure that we're as uh um, accessible as possible through this process. You know, as, as a as someone that does like to collect memorabilia, you know, I, I I'm saddened by the fact that we don't have hard tickets anymore. And those are, you know, the um, those are kind of a keepsake, right? I mean, to some degree, but it's kind of where we're we're headed. And for all the reasons that Kyle um, mentioned, you know, that's just kind of how we've uh, evolved to. So, so I, I'm probably, you probably put me maybe in the category of old and put the, me in the category of, I, I did enjoy hard tickets, but I think this is a, uh, it's slick, um, you know, Derek and I went to a loons game, uh, in July and it's, it's, it's pretty slick. And, uh, again, we've seen it happen at the West regional, uh, you know, this past year. So, so we know, you know, what can be done and it's kind of where we are in, in life. And certainly our students, uh, you know, they've done it as Kyle said for, for a couple of, uh, years and, uh, you know, they were, they were the ones kind of saying what's taking you so long here. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have uh, probably by the time this podcast drops, maybe a day or two after, we'll have an instructional video on our social media accounts on our website exactly how this works. If you're not familiar with your My North Dakota account, uh, if you're not, uh, and if you renew your season tickets, you you are uh, you are familiar with it because that's how you do it. Uh, unless you, you you pick up the phone and call, and there are a few folks that do that. Uh, it's it's fightinghawks.com/tickets. And then you find the link that says my North Dakota accounts and there's your username and password. And that's how you log in and you find it. So we'll have a step-by-step step-by-step instructional video about how to, how to make it work and, and how, how it works for people. Well, it seems to be a simple enough process. And again, one that I think people now should be familiar with anytime you get in an airplane, even go to a movie, like you're almost always just using your phone for your, as your ticket. Now this will be the same thing for UND Athletics. Well, best of luck, certainly, to everybody involved in this process as you roll this out sooner than later. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty smooth thing, and we're looking forward to seeing how this affects positively the ticket-going experience uh, for fans. 
Yeah, it's new to us. It's not new to the industry. Uh, there, there's several of the pro sports have been doing it now for a few years. And for those folks going to Nashville uh, for that game, we'll have more information on that. But that will also be a digital ticket. And um, in fact, some of the, the pro sports now, you, you'll, you'll have a ticket confirmation email, you know, when you purchase a ticket, but you won't actually have your seat assignment and or your your barcode until like 24 hours before the event starts on your phone. So it, it's it, it's an interesting technology that obviously continues to evolve and um, we're, we're right there with it. Yeah, excellent. Well, excited to see how this gets rolled out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, Kyle also, not Kyle does a lot of things. And if you've listened to this podcast and Kyle's been on before, you know the long list of duties that Kyle takes on with UND Athletics Department. One of them is overseeing track and field and cross country. And there was some big news with UND track and field and cross country last week. Christine Engel, who's done such a phenomenal job with this program the last two years, accepted the head coaching position at UMass and is moving back. She's, she's an East Coast lady, was born in New Jersey and spent a lot of time out there. She's going back closer to home. This, of course, leaves a void right on the eve of cross country season. Kyle, just kind of talk us through that process of Christine leaving and what the plan is now moving forward. How do, how do you fill that role? Yeah, and, and my conversations with Coach Engel, yeah, was exactly what you said, Alex. Um, her and her significant other are from the East Coast. And, and you know, it's an opportunity at UMass that was just too good to pass up. They have friends and family back there. And, and it's it, it's from a geographic standpoint that that's where they're familiar with. And she's been all over the country coaching. Uh, but it was an opportunity for her to stay a head coach, return home, be closer to her friends and family. And uh, it was a good situation. So happy for her as well. Uh, so we are looking to fill the leader of that program, uh, the track and cross country programs right now. That job is posted. Uh, it closes on August 20th. And so uh, we'll move as quickly as we can here through uh, through that process quickly and as diligently as we can. And uh, I know what we'll have, we'll, we'll end up with uh, great coaches in that program. Can I ask, obviously cross country season I mean, this is a fall sport. This is getting started. Normally, student-athletes would be on the course, getting ready, all those things. Who's sort of taking that role of leading that group now without a head coach firmly in place? Right, and so our distance runners, our cross-country student-athletes right now, uh, as we tape this in early August, are getting ready to report in a couple of weeks. And the distance assistant coach, Kale Wallace, even before Coach Engel departed, uh, he departed for Iowa State, a top 10 program closer to home. It made a lot of sense for him to, to move there. So uh, I'll be working with our cross-country student-athletes in the in the short term until uh, we have a distance coach in place and we're hosting the Ron Penn Classic on September 4th at Ray Richards Golf Course. We haven't hosted that meet at home uh, on that week for several years, so we're excited to be hosting at home on week one. The last few years it's been at NDSU um, and, and it was worked out with Coach Engel and, and Coach Carlson at the time there at NDSU uh, that, that UND would host that first weekend. So. Uh, the plan, uh, as, is, as it is today, the women will run a 5K, the men will run a 6K on September 4th. So uh, we're, we're moving full speed ahead, and, and the season is uh, right around the corner. Yeah, exciting stuff. One of the more unique things, Alex, uh, you know, all four of our coaches in some way, shape, or form had opportunities over the last week or so. And uh, I've really never seen anything like it in my 30-plus years uh, as to what's transpired. All individual situations. That That's what I would say. And So, Kyle, you might as well keep on going with what's transpired so then we can just kind of wrap a bow on it and, 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 and kind of say, hey, look, no different than, I would say, a football coaching staff. You, you, you replace the head coach and then the assistants follow. Right. So along with Coach Engel and Coach Wallace, and Coach Wallace was the first, uh, just uh, a, a couple of days after Coach Engel made the decision to uh, move on to UMass, Coach McCarty, Dan McCarty, who's our multi and jumps coach, uh, had an opportunity to go back to his alma mater at Central Missouri uh, and coach with his mentor, Kip Janvren, who's, uh, if you know anything about track and field, which Alex, I know that you do. Uh, and uh, we'll have an offline conversation about the Olympics, or maybe that'd be a B side, maybe at some point. Uh, that could be a B side. I yeah. think so. Uh, but but he's going to be the head coach in waiting there at Central Missouri, and uh, mm. obviously great opportunity for him to go back home. He's from Missouri and, and his alma mater uh, there at Central Missouri and, and working and learning from uh, Coach Janvern for a couple of years before Coach Janvern retires. And then Coach McCarty, the plan is for him to take over. So uh, excited for him. And then uh, our throws coach, Drew Jones, who's been with us 
for about eight seasons, has done a wonderful, tremendous job for us. Uh, he had an opportunity to move on to Idaho State uh, and go back to the big sky. And so, uh, and, and join forces with uh, another one of our former assistant coaches at UND, Joe Silvers, who's now an assistant at Idaho State. So uh, yeah, we have four, four coaches in our track and field and cross country programs right now. And uh, all four of them are vacant or soon to be vacant with their last days, uh, with the three last days coming to UND later this week. Uh, and as Bill said, we'll fill the, the head coach position first, and then uh, the head coach will fill out his or her staff from there. As I said to our uh, student athletes uh, last night, Alex, and, uh, and the parents as we had a webinar with, uh, with them, is uh, there's probably nobody uh, uh, better suited than Kyle, given his background as a uh, all Big 12 uh, athlete at the University of Nebraska, and, uh, and, and, and his experience is certainly uh, in track and field. So, so we're in good shape from an administrative standpoint. The timing, uh, timing is never great. Like when you have a coaching change, like there's, there's never a time that you can say, well, this is, maybe there's a window, right? Maybe there's a window of a month that makes sense. But all of our coaches and all of our programs, they just have a cadence and a cycle that they're on. And so it, it never is, is, is awesome. But certainly this time frame during August, and you're right, things are go time at this stage. Fortunately, we've got Kyle at the helm kind of uh, uh, being able to stick handle this search and we're going to do it as quick as we can, but we are a state agency, so we have to be thoughtful and make sure that we, um, you know, check all the boxes and dot I's and cross T's. Yeah, well, these are certainly attractive positions and that that was the case before Christine came. Certainly the program, I think, has been elevated the last couple of years as well with the work that she and her staff have done. It's hard to see good people leave, but great opportunity, places close to home, relationships, all those things. It makes sense. And obviously, if they weren't successful at UND, they wouldn't be getting these opportunities. So just another reminder of how this university is helping people continue to launch and grow their careers. And we're excited to see now, Kyle, what you do in this interim basis and how this group comes together. And best of luck on the search to find the next head coach of track and cross country for the University of North Dakota. Yeah, as Bill said, certainly uh, there, there is never a great time. But yeah, uh, I, I'm excited about it, truly. Um, you know, I'll have a little bit more interaction with the student athletes, which sometimes in our role, uh, we're maybe a step removed, at least from our, our head coaches and some of our other support staff. So uh, that, that that is a, a part of it that I'm, uh, I am looking forward to is, is getting to spend more time with them. And I see them at meets and sometimes at practice and here and there, but um, I'll be around them a little bit more now than, than I ever have been. So uh, certainly excited for that. And uh, yeah, as you said, Alex, uh, our, our coaches and our student athletes have done a, a really nice job. And uh, when when there's good performances, sometimes that leads to opportunity. And sometimes that opportunity is at other places and that creates opportunities for other people at your institution. And so that's that's where we're at right now with the program. And, um, you know, we're excited for the future, excited for our uh, our current student athletes that are you know getting ready. There's a few of them. And, you know, the names, Alex, that, that are excited to, to really explode here as upperclassmen. And uh, the, the last few times we've had uh, event group coaching changes. Uh, we've, we've definitely come up with great coaches and that have even raised the bar, so to speak, even further, yeah. uh, with those groups. So, um, I think that that'll happen again and, and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get on that search just as soon as we possibly can. The, the head coaching position closes on August 20th. And, uh, as Bill said, we will, uh, move as quickly and diligently as we can because the season is getting ready to start. Yeah, just around the corner. Well, we, we're going to let Kyle go. He's a busy man. I can see the whiteboard behind him is very full. There's a lot of stuff going on. I do want to ask really quick, though, mini B-side before we let Kyle leave. What was the best thing that you saw in the Olympics the, the last 17 days or so? Yeah, you know, what is funny, Alex, I, I actually thought of you a few times, uh, and we certainly want to keep you around at Midco Sports Network for a long time. But uh, when, when Lee Diffie's maybe ready to to uh, move on, I think there might be an opportunity that uh, that that would be an awesome uh, awesome thing if if uh, you had interest in that. But I'll tell you, I mean, you know, uh, I, the, the take take a pick. I mean, I I think the 400 hurdles on both the men's and the women's side was unbelievable. Um, you you had uh, Warholm on the men's side. I mean, holy cow, that was that was that was crazy. Uh, and then of course the two Americans on the women's side. Krauser in the shot. Um, you know, I, I didn't watch the whole finals there, but I mean, at six eight, he's he's tough to be. And then Kovacs, right? I mean, he's uh, 
uh, he, he's shorter and, and, and he's got to just, he's got to hit it. And uh, he hit it and doesn't, I guess, hurt that you're, that, that your wife is the throws coach at Ohio state either. So uh, that certainly helps, um, you know, the, uh, the, how about Cole Hawker in the 15, that 1500 final on the men's side yeah. was pretty hot. Um, uh, some really good performances there. And then the marathon uh, a bronze for the Americas. So, I mean, we could go on and on, right. I mean, that's uh, but those were probably the most that, that, that stood out to me. Um, I, I'm sure I'm probably missing some, but um, those were the ones that we, that, that, that we really took notice of on, on the track and field side, a lot, a lot of other things to talk about. For sure. It was a special couple of weeks out in Tokyo. Bill, your, your take really quick before we get on some more UND things. Just, just curious. Yeah. What was the best thing you saw? It's a really good one. Um, so I, I, I thought the, um, and again, if we can deviate off of track and field, um, I, of course I, we can. Yeah. I mean, I thought there was that, a lot of stuff going on. Well, I thought that wrestling final helped me with the, uh, the uh, two, two, uh, reversals. What in 20 seconds, uh, was unbelievable. I, I mean, talk about never give up. Right. I mean, that, that, that is like the epitome of it. I think, I think you'll end up showing that for the, for the rest of time, truly that, uh, that, you know, it, it seemed like the, the, the one, the one individual is destined for gold. And, and the next thing, you know, it, it, it took the entire time. Right. And, uh, and there you go. That's how it all, that's how it all works. And four years of training to, for, for that moment. Or maybe five, five, five years. Five in this case. I mean, in, in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. That, that, there's just something special about the Olympics. I know this year was weird, and there was a lot of you, – you take away. This is what we've experienced, right? No, no atmosphere, no crowd. What does that do to sport? And it's still elevated. Like, there still was that sense of how special these events are. And it was – yeah, just, I'm just very thankful they were able to get it off really without a hitch and to get everything in basically on time without a lot of issue. I don't know. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff by the IOC and, and the group from Tokyo. And Kyle, by the way, I would bite your arm off to take Lee Diffie's seat. If that, if that, was a, <laughs> if that ever p- was a possibility, that would be a dream job. Absolutely. Hey, I, I remember watching the Howard Wood Relays, Alex. I was watching it live, and uh, you did a great job, if I remember right. Uh, the, the, the boys 800, uh, I think Sean Corsmo from Bismarck won that, and yeah. uh, that was a good race down there. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of other good performances as well. So uh, always a excited when Alex Heinert is on the mic. So uh, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. So, all right, guys. Well, hey, I know you guys have got a lot to get to, so uh, I'll, I'll exit now, but thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kyle. No, thanks for being here. Good luck on the search, Kyle. Kyle Zoporowski, a man of many talents who's wearing a lot of hats right now for the University of North Dakota. But again, like you said, you couldn't think of a better guy who's, who would be suited to sort of just, Hey, let's just jump in and lead this group while we try and find someone to head up the cross country program with his background and his passion for the sport. And his, he's such a relational guy. Like he does such a great job of making, I think people feel comfortable and he's going to do great just to, to, to take over that spot for a little bit until a head coach is found. Yeah. I, you know, in, in this might be a little Pollyanna here, uh, but you know, I, I do say this to our, our students as well. You know, you can learn, you get to learn outside the classroom and this is real life. This is what happens, right? People evolve. They, they have chapters, um, you know, in, in certain situations and you hope that you, you make it a little bit better than where, where, how you found it. Right. And I think that's, what's transpired with these coaches and track and field just happens to be a little bit different because they're segmented into their disciplines. So sometimes you could have a head coach come in and they end up keeping the assistant coaches because they're kind of the head coach of their discipline, if you will. And in, in, this case scenario, this is more like the traditional of what we see in other sports that transpires. So, um, you know, there's there's always opportunity, and that's the way we're going to look at it. And, you know, again, back to timing, Alex, probably never great timing, uh, you know, anytime you have transition. And we're sensitive to understanding that these coaches did a great job and brought in students that are in the program right now. And so we've got to be sensitive to all that. But I think Kyle is the right person to handle this, certainly from an administrative standpoint, as we kind of transition into the next chapter of uh, track and field at UND. Well, stay tuned to fightinghawks.com for updates when that 
coaching search is complete. And again, best of luck to Kyle and the team moving forward as they get ready for the start of another cross-country season in a little less than a month. Speaking of coaching changes, new women's golf coach was named just recently at the end of July. Travis Ament, now the head coach of the women's golf program at UND. Talk a bit about Travis and what made him the right fit for this job, Bill. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm going to give uh, kudos to uh, Eric Martinson, who uh, ran that search for us and did a did a tremendous job. Um, and uh, Travis, uh, you know, Travis, uh he shined through um, based on uh, some of the experiences that he brings to the table right now. He's been at a couple division one institutions, uh, uh, been at a, uh, you know, situation similar to ours at Montana state. And so uh, understands the region uh, understands, uh, you know, a university of, or, or, or in this case, um, you know, a state you, if you will, at an, uh, at a state that does not have professional sports. So I think um, really kind of uh, was a right fit for us and uh, we're excited. And he's a teacher at heart. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's what you need to be I, in, in coaching period, but certainly in that sport. And so uh, we're excited. I think Travis actually, uh, I think he's, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. I think he's, uh, He's dropping into Grand Forks today, so uh, nice. so we'll have uh, Travis here, and um, you know, and uh, kind of going back to the, the the track and field piece because of the time frame. Once we do get rolling with someone, someone's going to come pretty quick because they just know they're going to have to, right? And that's exactly what transpired with Travis. It's kind of funny when I saw that name pop up. I actually had a friend in college named Travis Arment who was a good golfer, and I did a little double take, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Travis is the head coach. And then I, oh, never mind. No, it's not. Not the same guy. But best of luck to Travis as he makes his way to Grand Forks and gets started with the women's golf program. Uh, we mentioned just briefly how practice has begun for just about all the fall sports, football, volleyball, women's soccer, all underway. You've been around campus, of course, as these things have kind of popped up. What have you seen over the first couple of days now that those three sports are now all underway? Yeah. And so, you know, what I always say to, to folks, um, and, and maybe it's just uh, where we are evolving in intercollegiate athletics, many of our sports are, are always doing something is the best yeah. way of putting it right. And then when we get into a kind of official practice, then it's just really how you segment it out from an NCA compliance standpoint. But but it always is special having the first uh, uh, practice of the year, if you will, even though it, in some ways it's almost ceremonial at this stage of the game because the way things have played itself out. But excitement, general excitement, you know, um, I think everyone loves uh, to get going, especially with a new roster and new faces. And, uh, uh, you know, you it, it's the journey really at the end of the day and just be, you know, you end up looking back at what transpired maybe last year and whether it was good, you're trying to add on to it. If it maybe wasn't so great, you're, you're looking to try to reverse fortunes. And so uh, optimism, that's what I will tell you. Optimism. Yeah. That's, that's the word you want to use at this time of year. Hope springs eternal, even, even in the fall for these sports. And you talk about optimism a lot on the football side, of course, UND picked to finish third in the Missouri Valley they were a top 10 team in basically every major poll that's come out after a great run to the quarterfinals and a championship in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Guys getting All-America honors, lots of first-team preseason buzz um, for this UND squad. It's going to be exciting to see what this team does now uh, at Idaho State, September the 4th, just around the corner. A lot of optimism and certainly a lot of worthy you know, deserved optimism around that program for Bubba Schweigert as he moves into year number eight. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, preseason polls are just that preseason. You actually have to play the games and, uh, and, and do well. And it really is a reflection on what transpired the last season. And so I I'll take, you know, getting these quote unquote accolades, if you will, because that means you did pretty well the year before. And so, and, and that, and truly, as we all know, that's the only thing that matters, right? Like what actually happens. And so if you start at a point where people are thinking, you know, you have a shot to be okay, that's, that's great, but you still have to go do 
go do it on the field. And, uh, and I think our, our team is excited about building off of what happened in the spring, but each year's its own, each team is its own. And, you know, there's just going to be, you know, it's just new. It's just new. And uh, even though you might have similar faces, it's always a new team. And so I, I know coach Schweiger is excited about this group, but um, we know, <laughs> we know the schedule we have, we know the league we're in and, you know what, literally, as he likes to say, one day at a time, because that's the only way you're going to get better. If you want full coverage of what's going on with UND football fall camp, Tom Miller's done a great job being there every day, giving little reports on what's happening. Again, be sure to check out GrandForksHerald.com and subscribe, support the work that Tom and Brad Schlossman and Wayne Nelson and that crew do over there. We will also, again, Midco Sports, doing day by day once again this year, I believe our fourth season of covering the UND football team, kind of the ins and outs. The spring season was a little bit different. We didn't quite have the inside the locker room access for obvious reasons. A lot of those things are going to be coming back. We'll be masked up and on the field and doing that sort of thing. So we'll be ready for the preseason season opener coming up in a couple of weeks, and that'll drop on Fridays every week, uh, starting pretty soon here once we get a couple of weeks into fall camp. So lots of good stuff around football. Again, volleyball, women's soccer, those preseason polls have not come out yet, but those teams very much gearing up towards the start of the year. Again, August 14th, just four days from now, women's soccer taking on Jamestown. August 22nd, Idaho, the, the hard season opener is coming up just in a week or so. And then volleyball with Bemidji on the 21st at home as well. Again, Chris Logan, Jeremiah Tiffin, those are coaches now that have been around for a couple of years. They're starting to build. Uh, obviously, women's soccer has had a ton of success lately making the Summit League tournament or coming awfully close the last couple of seasons. And then Jeremiah, a tough season last year for volleyball, but a lot of girls coming back with experience. We're just excited to see what those two teams now can do with a new season on the way. I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, um, you know, the one thing that is fair at this point in time, we still have to be thoughtful about what's transpiring with the uh, with the virus. That's still uh, something that's, uh, you know, obviously going to be with us. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. It's just a matter of how we live with it. And so uh, it may be a little bit different than it was last year. Obviously, the the one thing that we have in our toolbox that we didn't have this time last year was of uh, our vaccines. And so, you know, uh, but still, you know, we have to be sensitive, thoughtful, careful, all of those things as we're um, trying to uh, uh, do competitions uh, as, as best as we can. And so we've had a lot of those conversations from a conference standpoint and how that will look. But the one thing that is different, Alex, is uh, it, it would appear from what all indications, unless something pivots at the last minute, which it's possible, anything's possible, is if for some reason you you can't play a, a game, a match at this point in time, that's not going to be a no contest at this point. That's going to be a, a loss. And so uh, incredibly important that, um, you know, uh, we try to do the best we can uh, during this pro during during this time frame. Yeah, that was something Patty Viverito, the Missouri Valley Football Conference commissioner, came out and said last week during media day that this. <laughs> 85% vaccination is the goal for these programs, and that includes support staff, not just the teams. And if you can't field the team, yeah, like you said, that's on you. You're going to get an L in, in the uh, in the loss column. So that's something to sort of watch. And again, you hope, you always think maybe we're beyond this and now with different variants, et cetera. Maybe some of the some of the issues are bubbling up again across the country. What I would say, though, is and, and the reason why I, I don't have any new news, I, I'm not breaking news here uh, on our pod. I, I, we have not gone through a season where that is actually occurring at this point. So so we've had games uh, um postponed, canceled, whatever you want to say it, but teams haven't taken a loss. I, I, I'm not suggesting that it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that, but we haven't done this yet. And I, so I, I'm always thinking like, you know, um, how is this going to play out in practicality? Uh, and, and, and I think it's going to be interesting because there could be two teams that actually can't play. And then how do you handle that? I guess that's a no contest. And so I, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. That's all I'll say. You know, we, we haven't dealt with this even in the professional leagues. It is a new wrinkle now as we go into this 2021-2022 athletic year. We'll see what happens out there. So again, just another reason why optimism is great, but vigilance is good as well. So we're, I think I'm assuming, right, 
testing, et cetera, all those sorts of things, social distancing and to some extent. Some of those things are still happening, of course, within our teams because not everybody is vaccinated. So I'm assuming across the board, precautions are still being taken to make sure that the virus doesn't spread amongst our athletic programs and amongst our campus building. Yeah, I, I won't bore people with the details. I'll just say they're protocols. And, and protocols happen, they change too, they change. So, so we could go into it right now and you know, we could then a week later all of a sudden decide something else because of what's transpiring you know, around the country, the state, the world, whatever. Really quick before we move on to the B side, anything else going on from a UND NCAA perspective Bill, you want to touch on? No, I, I thought it was important to have Kyle on today. I, th- I thought the biggest piece of this pod needed to be about the ticketing, um, truly, and uh, you know the kind of the changes that are occurring. And uh, just I, I want to reemphasize, we understand that it's a change for some, and it will be potentially uh, you know difficult or or something that you know we're going to have to kind of manage through. Uh, and, and we value all of our season ticket holders. Anyone that purchases a, t- a ticket comes to our games. It's incredibly, um, you know, important for us. And and we want to service um, our, you know, obviously our our fan base. And uh, and I know Heather and the team are, are ready to do that. Home dates coming up at Bronson Field at the Alaris Center and at the REA before too long. Get excited! It's all happening here, fall 2021. Full steam ahead for UND athletics. Let's flip it over uh, to the B-side. Quick B-side. A lot of stuff going on. We touched on Olympics with Kyle a little bit. A fun two weeks in Tokyo. Fun to see area kids, you know, from this region do well, guys. From I mean, a lot of people from Minnesota, Bill. A ton of success. Mm-hmm. ton of success. Suni Lee, a St. Paul kid, winning gold in the women's gymnastics awesome. all-arounds. Chris Nilsson, who was a USD pole vaulter, taking the silver medal. A lot of guys... That have been, you know, Kyle mentioned the Dakota Relays in Howard Wood and Sioux Falls. Joe Fonbola, who's a kid from Hopkins, Minnesota, finished, he was a Dakota Relays record holder a couple of years ago in the 200, finished fifth in the 200 in the Olympics. It's just cool to see this local flair have a lot of success. It's just another example of you can be from anywhere and make it at the world stage. Right. That's right. Uh, you know, um, I, I think it's always challenging for us network wise, you know, NBC always has a challenge when it's on the other side of the world. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. always, how do you, how do you cover it is never easy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the moments that, um, that, that are created through the Olympics and you could say, Alex, maybe, it was different at some point in time. I still think when you can say I'm the best in the world at something, right. And right. Having, having proved it, it's kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah. I would say so. The one thing about track and field for sure, right? Like you're, you're actually running, jumping and, you know, and you've got stopwatches and you know it for sure. So there's no judging per se in that even though those sports obviously how else are you going to do it without having some some judging going on but just to crazy to think like you try you 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 train your entire life for this absolute moment and both i would say you know i will say good or bad um whatever the results are the result is you're in the arena that's the result and and you know, and whether you you win it or you don't, it's still an awesome thing to, to watch. It's one of the cool things when you hear former Olympians talk about the experience, whether or not they won gold or not. Maybe you came up short. Just the fact that you had made it to that point for so many of those athletes. Like, again, a small, small percentage of people that make it to the Olympics get on the podium. You know, for everybody else, it's just getting there, finding a way to be one of the three best people in this discipline in your country or the best and for some of the smaller countries you get one slot you have to qualify by whatever standard there is that's special and those things last forever and it's i don't know i always get emotional watching the olympics because you know this is a lifelong dream for all of these people that they're realizing and it it's over like that i mean for some of those sports it's your your time in the spotlight is really really small and you just love it when they can make the most of it and really take that experience and alex you think of it and you you think of them both ways right like you the, the tough moments and the in the, the glorious moments if you will but just think about you're on a relay team and in one nanosecond you drop the baton that's it like right it's just it 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 it, it happens and you could have done it flawlessly for 10,000 straight times in a row, but you have to do it in that moment. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, kind of, kind of neat stuff. I always, um, I'm, I have to admit to you, I'm always, uh, when, when the, the games are, are, 
around the world, I, I find it harder to get to get dialed in on it, you know, and and then depending on where we are right now, like literally, like, is it on a streaming device? Is it on, you know, where, where you know, you've got to, you got to do a little bit of work, I would say, um, to, to, to watch some things, depending on how NBC wanted to go about their business. It was a little complicated, 14 hour time difference between us and Tokyo. And they, they showed a lot of things live and, it was interesting to see what the IOC decided to put in primetime in the Western world because all the swimming finals for Tokyo, they were in the morning. So people in this hemisphere were able to watch the finals and they had the prelims in the afternoons and the evenings, which was in the middle of the night for us. It was just interesting how they sort of broke it up. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Difficult sometimes to find what you wanted to watch, but Mike Trico and the gang uh, did well, and it was fun to be able to catch a lot of it. We watched a ton of Olympics in our house. We maybe are going through some withdrawals right now, a few Olympic withdrawals, but it's great that we've got fall sports coming to help alleviate some of that. Also helping that, Bill, soccer. World soccer is coming back. The EPL starts on Friday, for goodness sake. A lot of news this last week. Leo Messi leaving Barcelona. Harry Kane currently still at Spurs. What do you make of Romelu Lukaku going to Chelsea? What, what do you make of the rumblings? Do you follow this really close in the summertime? I, I do a little bit. Um, I, I think the transfer window is incredibly important, right? I mean, it sets your team up one way or the other. There's obviously just so many stories that, that you just, you know, at some point, okay, what's really going to happen here? You know, I thought the messy story was interesting um, that based on their financial model and what the revenues were, they couldn't fit him basically in. And I think he wanted to stay. I mean, so that was kind of interesting. Um, just I, I, the kind of you peel the onion back type of um, conversations. I, I do like those. Um, I don't know what happens with Kane. I, I, I still think he probably ends up at City at some point in time. I could be wrong, but w what are your thoughts? It's been interesting. That's, that's been a unique one. City just spent $100 million on Jack Grealish. So they just had a huge outlay to bring in an attacking player. Doesn't play the same position as Kane. But that makes you wonder, have they perhaps given up on that pursuit for the moment? They do have until the end of August. So there's a couple of weeks left here to get the deal over the line. But I don't know. It, it feels like perhaps he's going to stay. The really interesting thing about this is and this is just an example of the domino effect in international soccer. It appeared that Kane was probably going to be allowed to go to City because Spurs had a bid for Lataro Martinez, a striker from Inter Milan, all lined up, $84 million, That was almost a done deal. Well, then Inter's other striker, their main striker, Lukaku, he moves to Chelsea. And that was kind of a surprise. He had said he was going to stay at Inter, and then he makes a switch to go back to England. So now Inter find themselves without their main striker, now they need Martinez to stay to fill that void left by Lukaku. Now Spurs don't have a replacement for Kane, so now Kane can't move to City. It's just so interesting, all the, the tangled web that is the transfer window, Bill. So I would say right now, I, th I would say he stays. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to find a guy to replace him. And if they, again, he's under contract, so if they can't find an, a, a solid replacement for him, I just don't see them budging unless it unless it's a yeah. astronomical fee and they just feel like, yeah, we we can't do anything about it. We got to let them go and take the money. I would agree with all of that. I, I really don't have much more to say. I, I, I think because he's got three years left on his deal, I, I you know, there there's not the pressure for uh, Tottenham have to have to move him. But I think they were willing, I think, willing to 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 do it. And I, I believe that striker early 20s so you would have been gaining about five six years on the odometer and uh yeah i i and, and again who knows the one thing we do know sometimes you get surprised maybe some dominoes do fall here in, in the not so distant future but it seemed like city was uh um i think they were willing to pay for both of those players i i it would seem that they, they were. Oh, yeah. Oh, they were, they were ready to write the checks. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a unique system where you see Barcelona unable to keep the, the world's greatest player right now because of finances. Yeah. But he can go and sign for PSG for $41 million a season. Yeah. And they've already got two of the other most expensive players in the world in Neymar. 
and in Kylian Mbappe, and it's fine for them because it's their league. Their league sets right. some parameters up, and La Liga has been really strict. And City, same thing. The EPL is is there's financial fair play rules, but they typically don't. Um, they're reactive, essentially. They're not yep. proactive rules. Yep. So maybe yep. City will get dinged in a couple of years because of if they do spend two hundred million dollars on two players, but they can sure do it, and then see if the arbitrate or the court of arbitration for sport decides to penalize them it's it's crazy it yeah so no, we will see no coincidence that tottenham plays city in the first match of the season <laughs> oh no coincidence whatsoever uh last lastly for you top four for spurs is there is there hope bill given the state of their team right now you, f- you feel positive about a top four challenge this year i listened to um I think I forget who Rebecca Lowe was with. I think maybe Richard Deitch. I I, I could be wrong. Richard Deitch the other day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. she was great. Did you listen to that pod? I've I started it. It's it's on my queue for when I mow the lawn next. She, she was excellent um, <laughs> on a lot of different levels. Uh, she was great, um, but indicating uh, they kind of went into the England piece a little bit, and uh, I, and she must have been listening to our pod because I, she's just as. Um, head scratching as why Jack Grealish couldn't get a start with the England to English team. I, I, she just, I, I couldn't understand it. I, I mean, just was kind of blown away by it. So in just in almost thinking, thinking, well, it seems like England, you know, might be ready in Qatar. And she's like, yeah, you know, England had their best shot possible to win something like that at home, just ready to go. And she just kind of questioned kind of how they played too. Like they, they didn't front foot it to some degree. And I think they could have with this, this group. And so, um, yeah, I, it just, just interesting, but, but she, she was great. She, um, the, the actual, uh, I guess I'll call them, um, odds, to to finish with the top four are the top four right like uh, and I think Liverpool was number four right now given the fact that Chelsea won it all last year in the two Manchester's um, but Tottenham was fifth and she was funny she was just like I don't know how Tottenham's fifth I mean I you know I they seem to be a hot mess right now <laughs> which is which was funny and I'm not so sure she's wrong I mean like everything that you look at Tottenham it's like not awesome not awesome but you know what I, I here's what I would think. Nuno will do though. I think he'll calm the waters a little bit. He he feel it seems like that's what he can do, and that might be really uh, beneficial for the team. So, what ends up happening at that point? Who knows? I think it's there's four, and then there's probably another group of four, and I think Tottenham's in that four. I, I mean truly. I and one of those one of those I'll call them other four. They'll have a good year and they'll threaten the the, the top four. I think that's probably the right way to look at this. Usually every year going into a season, you sort of can say, okay, here are probably the four best teams. Typically one of those teams stumbles or there's an injury, there's something happens within the squad and one of those teams will drop out and another team from that second tier, maybe maybe it's Leicester this year who had a good challenge last year and came up a little bit short. Maybe it is Tottenham. Maybe, maybe someone like Nuno with his beard and his wisdom can come and just push away the bad feelings of the Mourinho era and maybe they can be a surprising team who Arsenal who knows it could be another random team from off the radar but yeah I I agree with you that it feels like Chelsea City United Liverpool those four are the strongest teams in terms of depth just the solidity they, they have got you know there's no managerial changes in those clubs they've added but doesn't mean that those will be the top four when the season settles in May yeah what has to happen for a Tottenham is if they can get to a place where they're very comfortable of how they play and make it really hard for teams. And I, they haven't done that the last couple of years. Uh, they, they've been just, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure that they know what they're doing, like literally on how they want to play. And uh, I think they're conflicted because of it was so different from Pochettino to Mourinho that, that I think the whole team was completely conflicted. Now, if they can get to a place where they feel like, hey, this is what we do, you know, that, that's that's the best case scenario. And, you know, I, again, I don't know what this thing they're in, this Europa conference thing. I really don't. Um, I just know they're going to be going to very interesting places. But I think it's a great chance to play their young guys, honestly. I, I think, and you know what, if they bow out, 
who cares? I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they get opportunity to play. I think they've got to go all in on certainly the Premier League and then, you know, let's just say an FA Cup, right? I, I mean, to some degree, they've got to go all in with that. And then the whatever that thing they're in, they're just going to have to I, – I don't know. I, I Listen, play your 20-year-olds and let them rip. I agree with that. I think that's a good way to look at it. Play the babies, Bill. Don't, don't stress out your squad. Yeah, let them, let them go to, to the ends of the earth. Yeah, let them go to wherever they're going and, and just let them have that experience, which I think will be good. So who knows? Hey, last thing is Red Sox, man. We're, we're struggling. Yeah, since the All-Star break, it's been, um, yeah, not, not, as, not as good as it was pre-All-Star break. Little swoon, little August swoon here. The the thing that I don't understand, I, I really don't. I, I I'm trying to understand it. Um, I don't know why Martin Perez has taken the hill in Garrett Richards uh, recently. I know Perez, I think, has moved to the bullpen, finally. Um, and and I, I I just don't know what they're doing with Tanner Houck. Like like just put him in the rotation and be done with it. You got Sale coming back, and at the end of the day, you got Houck and Sale with the other three. I, you know, between Pavetta, Rodriguez, and uh, and Avaldi, that's not a bad five. They're still in contention. I mean, they're, they're second right now in the AL East. Little little stumble against the Rays, which uh, which didn't help. But the fact that again, I think I'm just looking at the at the numbers here. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, they've lost eight of their last. They've lost nine of their last eleven. I mean, that's that's tough. That that's a tough go um, since the All Star break. But it's a long season. J.D. Martinez was on the COVID list. Like, you know, it's one of those things. Hopefully they can kind of work it out. You know, when Kyle Schwarber comes back healthy, that adds another bat to the middle of the lineup. Obviously, pitching has been the issue lately, but it's there. there's reason for optimism. I think they'll be okay, even if this is a worrying long season, worrying couple of weeks. Long season, long tough, season. Tough, tough little two-week period. I, I was, it was head-scratching to me, uh, other than they just didn't want to pay the price for Rizzo. Rizzo was the absolute... Uh, no-brainer uh, person to fit into that lineup and at first base. Uh, why yeah, first baseman? Yeah. Bobby Bobby Dahlbeck seriously needs to be in Worcester right now and, and try to get his confidence back. I, I feel for him every time he goes to the plate. It's tough. Well, we can always hope that things will turn around, and uh, that's about all we can do right now because we're not the ones making the decisions. Or I'm just <laughs> watching the bat. I'm just watching throwing the pitches. We're just watching. We're just casually watching. That's so, right. But well, it's been a great year. It's, it's been a good year. I, Phenomenal year. Yeah. Phenomenal year. Yep. Yep. I'll, yeah. I'll stay in that Not box for sure. Yep. There, there you go. That's the place to be. Optimism, Bill. That's the word for this pod. We're going to stay optimistic moving forward. Well, it's going to be a fun fall. And we're excited to get back on a more regular basis coming up maybe every other week moving forward now as we move into season four of the Bill Chaves podcast. A lot of exciting stuff uh, right on the way. So looking forward to seeing our teams in action here in actual competitions once again before too long. We're heading toward pod 100, uh, Alex. <laughs> Six away, 93 today, <laughs> just a handful to go. So watch out, everybody, for that milestone. Bill, you're the best. We appreciate you. Enjoy the start of another fall sports season on the way. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate you. Big thanks to Bill. Big thanks to our producer, Cassie Niles. I'm Alex Hunter. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the next edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast. Be well. Be well.